0: Welcome back to Getting to the Bottom of It. I'm your host, Sejal Govindarau. President Joe Biden announced his student loans forgiveness plan at the end of August that he'll be canceling $10,000 per borrower and $20,000 for Pell Grant recipients. Today, we'll be giving you a rundown of the broad impact of Biden's plan, how it will affect GW students and alum, and possibly lay the groundwork for increased economic diversity at higher education institutions. Now, according to the White House, nearly 45% of borrowers, or almost 20 million people, would have their debt fully canceled. Joining us first on the episode today is Paul Revel, the former Secretary of Education for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts from 2018 to 2013 and Francis Keppel Professor of Practice of Educational Policy and Administration at the Harvard Graduate School of Education. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today.
1: My pleasure. Good to be with you.
0: Revel said Biden's plan was an important step in the right direction to recognize and help alleviate the disproportionate burden being placed on students and families to finance the cost of a post-secondary education.
1: If we see higher education as part of our human resource development system as a nation, then we shouldn't leave it to the market to determine who gets to participate in that human resource development. Everybody should be able to participate, particularly if we're in a society that claims to be committed to equity, that claims to be committed to No Child Left Behind, but you're setting price levels at such a high level that many people can't afford to enter the game, then you're really not committed to equities.
0: Revel also mentioned criticisms people have of the plan with it casting too wide an income bracket rather than focusing on the lowest income borrowers. He mentioned others argue that it fails to permanently fix the problem of financial inaccessibility throughout higher education as well
1: this is a very good first step. Both these uh, measures that you describe are good first steps. They don't really solve the causal problem of what's going on in, in, in the financing of higher education in the United States. Uh, and that that's where a lot of the criticism comes from. What about Um, you know, people who already paid off their loans? What about people who will take out new loans in the future? Uh, But it does grant some very welcome relief to, um, uh, you know, a significant number of people uh, who are overburdened by debt at the moment. I think it should be applauded in that regard. After all, I mean, politics is the art of the possible. Mm -hmm. So the notion that he could have forgiven all debt in a single moment is unrealistic and still doesn't solve the problem because you then have people signing up next year for the current price of tuition uh, and, and, and room and board and, and so forth and going to college. So we we need to step back and do some uh, very basic work on financing higher education in a way that meets uh, not only student and family interests, but meets our national interest.
0: You mentioned this is, you know, a good step forward, but not all the way there yet. Do you think this plan casts too wide a net benefiting more middle class Americans instead of canceling larger shares of debt for a more concentrated group of the lowest income borrowers?
1: Well, I know that I know there are a number of people who feel that way, and that's one of the critiques. I do think, again, in the spirit of politics being the art of the possible, you need to broaden the constituency who's going to support something like this. So I'm assuming that that's why the administration, you know, did some fairly delicate calibrating of what bracket it wanted to help out here. And, um, uh, you know, in the interest of equity, I I think it probably would have been better to tilt it toward those carrying uh, heavier debt loads. Uh, But in the interest of getting the bill passed through Congress, which, after all, if you don't get it passed, then nothing's going to happen. Um, You know, I I trust the judgment of the administration on where they had to be on this. And again, view it as a starting point.
0: It's a really interesting point that Revel makes about the political viability of this, especially considering Republicans in Congress were just disputing the plan's legality, you know, whether or not the executive branch has the authority to waive or modify federal student loan provisions during war or a national emergency. And 22 GOP governors just called for Biden to withdraw his plan. And on the other hand, progressive Democrats called for even more debt cancellation, up to $50,000 per borrower. So it really speaks to what he said about politics being in the art of the possible.
1: So you mentioned in, in your previous answer some of these causal problems of financing higher education. Can you talk a bit about what those causal problems are? Well, I mean, the principal problem is, you know, in, in former times, 20, 30, 40 years ago, uh, the um, the public uh, the the public finance of higher education. Was a much higher percentage of covering its total cost than it is now so the while the cost of higher education has risen and there are a number of critics of higher education who have said you know that that higher education is profligate in its spending and has added too many layers of administration and you know they they've driven up the cost even in excess of whatever government subsidies they're getting Um, There are others who make the case that, uh, you know, government financing as a percentage of the total cost of education has steadily gone down since the 80s, and therefore universities have had no choice but to shift that burden onto the consumer, uh, directly onto people consuming it. And so I I think that's the the element that needs most uh, serious consideration here.
0: It's important to note that, you know, we're in 2022 right now, but a decade after the Great Recession hit, state spending on public colleges and universities remained well below historic levels. And according to the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities, overall state funding for public two and four year colleges in the 2017 school year was nearly $9 billion below its 2008 level after adjusting for inflation. Now to zone in on the potential impact of Biden's plan on GW, I spoke to Dr. Michael Foyer, Dean of the GW Graduate School of Education and Human Development and Professor of Education Policy. It's no secret that GW is a predominantly white affluent school. And in 2017, a New York Times study revealed that GW has one of the smallest populations of students from the lowest income levels in the country among higher education institutions nationwide. And as of 2017, with a median family income of $182,200. So Foyer told me, though Biden's program is, in his words, retrospective, higher education institutions can use it as a future building block to increase economic diversity in our student body and help students navigate the debt relief process.
2: One, one of the things that I've actually been I've, I've admired a lot in the way GW in the in our enrollment management, our our vice provost for enrollment management and his team, I I admire greatly that we are investing to the extent we can, not just in the financial aid you know, system as it is, but in, uh, um, including with the financial aid, some real good student advising to help people get a better sense of what are the, what is the economy look like it's going to be for people going into different kinds of uh, occupations and And to help people choose their major, so it's not only money driven.
0: And to the point on increasing economic diversity, the total number of Pell Grant eligible students at GW has grown by 29.5% in nearly a decade from 2011 to 2021. And these are students coming from families who are making $50,000 or less. And the $20,000 of debt relief for Pell Grant recipients is a targeted approach by the Biden administration in this plan to help alleviate the debt burden for Black borrowers, who are twice as likely to receive Pell Grants as compared to their white peers. Foyer says he hopes this plan will spur more enrollment of students who qualify for Pell Grants at GW. Though aside from loan forgiveness, he said diversifying future student bodies requires a multifaceted approach, and he pointed to the task force he served on addressing standardized testing policy, for example.
2: One of the things that I very much admire in the Biden policy is the added uh, relief to students who were recipients of Pell grants, that's a good. But for me, if we had <laughs> focused a little bit more, you know, more, shall we say, um, carefully on that population of students amid um, the whole mass of students who go to American colleges and universities, uh, it would have provided relief in a little bit more targeted way to those students who really do need it the most. Uh, But once again, I'll say that uh, to the extent that we are setting ourselves with goals and targets, I know that those goals and targets include an incremental increase in Pell Grant recipients uh, as a way to bring a diverse community to GW. Uh, very interesting. We're doing some other things to try to improve diversity, if not in the uh, in every aspect.
0: Lastly, I spoke to Daniel Douglas Gabriel, reporter for the Washington Post, who covers national higher education, college affordability, and state and federal financial aid policy. Who also discussed whether this plan could increase the number of Pell Grant recipients enrolled at schools like GW. At a school like GW with you know pretty high tuition rates, do you think something like this could increase the number of Pell grant recipients who decide to enroll in, in schools like this?
3: It's hard to say because this is a one-time deal right so it is highly unlikely the president's going to do this again and I know that thats the specter of it possibly happening again you know moves large over a lot of conversations about affordability. But the only real viable path is probably to Congress uh, at this stage, and there's just not enough bipartisan support for anything of that nature. So I can't say that it would have a, a material impact on Pell eligible students wanting to enroll at, at a you know very selective school like say a GW. Oftentimes, when I speak to students who are fall within that Pell eligible kind of uh, Uh, the category being that their family makes less than $50,000 a year or in many cases, less than $40,000 a year, money is everything. So if the school can come up with more institutional dollars, more money from their own coffers in order to help these kids fund their education, then I'm sure, I think a lot of students would love to have kind of resources that going to a school like GW and others will confer, but it has to to actually make better (coughs) family
0: Douglas Gabriel talked about some of the biggest concerns she's been hearing from borrowers as she's been reporting on this plan and where students and their families should find direct information about how they might benefit.
3: So, certainly, uh, I get the most questions from folks who want to know whether or not they qualify. And that tends to be people who have much older loans, like that were taken out maybe 15, 20 some odd years ago, trying to figure out whether this old defunct uh, version of federal student loan program uh, would still allow them to be eligible. So just for a little history, before 2010, the federal government used to use private lenders to originate student loans, and then they would subsidize those lenders and kind of give them the full-fledged backing of the federal government, right? So that if people defaulted, the federal government would take on the risk. This program was called, I think, the Federal Family Lending Program fell. Um, And unfortunately, there were all sorts of problems with the program, all sorts of scandals. And by 2010, President Obama said, the federal government is only going to lend directly to students. So we're going to cut the banks out of the situation. But there are a lot of people who still have those old loans and are paying them off. Um, At one point, I think at the beginning of The pandemic, there were about seven and a half million people who still had those loans. A lot of people have been consolidating out of the program to take advantage of the payment pause and other uh, programs that would get them debt relief. So the program, the last I saw, probably has a little over four million people still there. But a lot of those people are always kind of shut out of things like student loan forgiveness uh, through public service, right? Public service loan forgiveness. They're shut out of other sorts of programs that are meant to make it easier for borrowers to pay out their loans. And so that's the majority of the people who have been contacting me. But the other thing, I'm hearing a lot from folks, uh, from people who are wondering whether they'd qualify for the full 20000 Now, if you had a Pell Grant um, at any point in your undergraduate career, you do. But there are a lot of folks who are like, well, I didn't borrow undergrad, but I did have Pell. I did borrow for grad school, so would I be eligible for twenty? Mm. And for everything that the federal government is telling us, the Education Department said, yes, yeah, those people would qualify. So I think folks are really just trying to get a better sense of Given the income threshold, if they hit that, then will they qualify, what amount of money they will qualify for based upon the trajectory of their borrowing as well as uh, whether or not they had any grants set aside for low-income students. There are a percentage of students who are currently in school who will benefit because the program counts all loans that have been originated, I think, before uh, the end of June or July 1st of this year. So a lot of folks who are perhaps Seniors, seniors could benefit from this this program uh, I guess the other thing is and it, I think it's important to know that a lot of financial aid officers and some colleges kind of have their hands tied as to what they can advise Just like legally they can't tell students you need to stop borrowing or you're borrowing too much money because the federal government uh, prohibits that so they have to mm-hmm. be very cautious in the way that they To figure out whether you know they're on a good track in, in terms of how they're financing their education. Look also at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Sometimes they have really good blog posts about you know looking at such issues. So that might be useful. But definitely the Department of Education has far more info these days, and I hope financial aid officers are pointing students to that as a resource. Uh, and then also, of course, uh, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau.
0: Revel, Foyer, and Douglas Gabriel all concurred that the conversation about student loan debt relief does not negate the root of the problem in our country's economic systems many families face financing the rising cost of college. The applications open in early October and the student loan payment pause extends through December. Eddie will be back next week and that's all we have for you on this episode. We'll see you next time.